Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and you can help me keep this podcast running like a fridge by supporting it on Patreon. The link is in the description of this chat. This chat features Minnie Johnson, who is an award-winning author, historian, filmmaker, and educator known for her books like Ink and Paints and Pencils, Pens, and Brushes, and she's here to share more about the history of women in animation and how that has changed over the years and uh, her involvement in the upcoming documentary called Pencils vs. Pixels, which covers the history of Disney's transition from hand-drawn animation into CG and the artists that helped make it happen. And just so you know, you can look out for this documentary called Pencils vs. Pixels, which will be available on November 7th on Google Play, Apple, and all the other digital streaming services. So put that in your calendars. And now without further ado, let's jump in. Hello, Mindy. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Oh, I'm good, Barry. Thanks so much. More importantly, how's the you're in Italy right now? How's the Italian yeah, weather? I'm um, yeah, I'm I'm in uh, Portenone, Italy, for the Portenone Silent Film Festival. Wow! And it, you might scratch your head and go, "What's a an animation special is doing?" But early animation, silent animation, is kind of a a very cool thing here, and uh, it enjoys a. a a reinvigorated life, but it's it's really been an epicenter of film historians, arch- archivists, uh, restoration specialists, academics. It's sort of the hub for early cinema. And uh, I was asked this year, deeply honored to deliver the Jonathan uh, Demi um, lecture, the the main lecture, which I did on Wednesday and spoke on one of my more recent discoveries, the Bessie Mae Kelly films and career of our earliest known female animator, or earliest surviving films of, of a woman animator director. Wow, yeah, I'm curious about that. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. How did you, how did you, how did you uncover this? You know, you said you found it. Years, uh, years, I'd had a theory um, once I'd finished the ink and paint book, um, several people, dear colleagues, had pulled me aside and said, you know, you're going to have to go earlier and wider. And I said, oh, I get it. Absolutely. Um, and I received a very lovely award from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to kind of continue to do that in a way. Uh, they sort of threw down the gauntlet and said, all right, what else? Wow. <laughs> And I had a theory that just as um, Windsor McKay and Sidney Smith and uh, the Terry brothers, John and Paul Terry, had been uh, had their start in vaudeville. They would do lightning sketches, quick sketches, which were a big deal. You still see that today. It's, it's a it's a unique art form akin to animation. Um, and it was a predecessor to animation in the vaudeville circuits of the late 1800s, turn of the century. And I thought, you know, it, if there was a woman doing it, that may have been a place, you know, that she would have also done work. Just, it was a theory. So I had been uh, culling through early vaudeville materials and uh, came across a tiny little article about a, animated cartoonist. Uh, 
Okay, Miss Bessie Mae Kelly. And it talked about her working at Bray Studios and Fleischer and Fable Studios. And I, even I thought that was a little too much. I thought it was a little bit of hyperbole. And turns out it wasn't. Uh, that launched a multi-year, at least at least five years, six years of just having a little inch of her life, a little time period figured out. And then the pandemic came along and I had a little extra time on my hands. So I was able to kind of call out more about her. And through an odd set of circumstances, um, unearthed her family who had her collection. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. And in there were a couple of cans of film, one that survived. Uh, it was just starting to deteriorate. But the other one, sadly, disintegrated. Oh my but goodness. I was able to get um, a few images onto a flatbed scanner and get them digitized and blown up. And, and in there, we have proof that she was directing um early gasoline alley films uh, it was off it was thought that oh no it was just rumor nothing was ever made uh-uh she did she made them and directed them and the and her family has confirmed that those were her babies so, wow that's incredible um, also congratulations yeah, on, on creating a theory and then you know, finding some non-integrated yeah. film to to prove it. <laughs> yeah, it it um, it's not a huge collection, but it yeah. it's there's some remarkable things in there. And when you string together the elements and and basic beats of her life, she was there at the very beginning. Wow! Wow! Well, the, well, the earliest days, the earliest days of. So it sounds like we need to write some extra history in our in our animation history books here. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's changing. That's we amazing. are uh, getting the other half of our collected history corrected. So yeah. that's what I'll be speaking at uh, about uh, at Toffee as well as at. Oh, that's uh, so Star cool! Week. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang around for that that chat at Toffee. <laughs> that's a local festival here. Okay, so you know, I want I want to talk about pencils versus pixels. You know, which is a new documentary, yeah. hand drawn animation, and how that evolved into computer animation. But first, I want to I want to figure out why you've attached yourself to film and animation history, which is super interesting. I mean, you teach, you speak all around the world, et cetera, et cetera. You you uncover, you know, th theoretical history and finance. What is, what is, where does this drive come from? You know, um, it, I, it was, it evolved later in my life. I had been a musician for a number of years and an artist and a whole you know, songwriter, a whole range of things. Uh, but I'd worked uh, for a number of years uh, at the Disney company in pictures marketing and then moving into home entertainment when there was a home entertainment division. And I I handled the global publicity for a classic animated title. So I got to introduce new audiences to the great classics of Snow White and Cinderella and Peter Pan and Pinocchio and Dumbo, all of the greats and got to work with many of the legends who were still with us. So it was, you know, spending time traveling with them, getting them, you know, hanging around at press events and 
getting just, and I, I fell in love with it. I um, studied film and, and made films and worked within the industry for a long time, worked in television. And, uh, but I just fell in love with the artists and the process of animation. I had worked briefly in, um, in animation at Disney in their television animation. I'd studied a little bit, but not that much. Uh, but once I got to working with the artists, and, and I mean legends, um, Tyrus Wong and uh, Walt Paraguay, <laughs> who is a character, and uh, you're just so many great Blaine Gibson and um, Floyd Norman, and you know, just so many of our great artists, and just Richard Sherman, and it just fell in love with them. They're wonderful people who really never got the spotlight. And it's been a joy to be a part of, I enjoy casting light on hidden stories. And um, turns out, you know, that was something I discovered as a byproduct in getting, in getting to do my job there. And um, so kind of fell into it in a way. And, but when you look at all the wide ranging worlds that I've moved in and things that I've done, everything sort of has brought me to this point. Uh, it's been a little circuitous, but it's brought me to this point. And I do come at it with a rather unique background and insight and kind of an odd expertise, uh, a very unique expertise in a lot of ways. There are a lot of other really learned and knowledgeable historians out there. Uh, and fortunately now people are starting to come together to work together about pooling their um, backgrounds and materials, research materials that they come across. And everybody seems to have their little fiefdoms and areas of expertise, but uh, for the most part, people are, are getting a little more open about it and not quite as ultra protective. Yeah. Um, and, and it's exciting. It's, it's uh, really great to see how things are evolving and being able to tap into an area that hadn't really been explored before in this industry. So I like that you have, uh, you know, cause a lot of historians are kind of textbook historians where they, they do the research and they read the books, but it sounds like you have a lot of firsthand personal relationship experience with, the, oh. with these people and, and, you know, even working for Disney and having access to, the Disney vaults and all those things. <laughs> I'm sure that gives you a, 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 like you said, a unique perspective that, you know, you can't yeah. really get from, from just textbooks. There's, there's nothing like a good primary source, right? You know, yeah. someone who actually was there in the room and you'd be surprised even at the archives, they have quite a bit there, but there's still a lot missing. When I first uh, went into this, studio archives, certainly working there as a publicist, I had a sense of what was there and would often go to the well to find new information and material. But um, when I started the Inca paint book in the area of women, they didn't have much at all. <laughs> uh, I'd asked to see everything on certain films and, you know, going back to the early ledgers to find out because much of the women's work was very materials based. Let's see where they were getting the material. And and then I said, okay, and then I'll need everything on the ink and paint department and the women. And 
they had boxes of things on the films and they had stacks of ledgers to go through from the beginning. But when it came to the teams and women and women's roles at the time, they had a folder with about five pieces of paper in it. And that was it. My goodness. So it, you know, it just taught me at that point that history is recorded about written, documented, and archived from a male perspective. You know, women, pretty girls who trace and colored, right? What's what's the big deal there? Well, turns out it was a pretty big deal. Women were doing extraordinary work. And in many ways, it's a large part of what we're seeing on the screen is their final artistry and certainly not taking anything away from the men with pencils, but color and final form and the the calligraphic precision of inking was just mind blowing. But yet for decades we had, you know, that had been reduced down to a log line of pretty girls who traced and colored and that was it. And turns out they did far more. <laughs> right. How, where do you even start to, you know, when you you have a folder with five pieces of information in it and, and there's a huge wealth of history and, and, people who had worked on these films, you know, it sounds like a monumental task to recover all these things. It was, I mean, we know that now, but it, it was years, it took years um, and it's ongoing. I still get families and people reaching out and new materials that help fill in holes that, you know, missing pieces. Um, but we didn't, you know, when you don't know what you don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know, right, oh yeah, we've got everything covered, right? But <laughs> it was a bit of a task to to kind of begin to unearth, wait a minute, <laughs> there's quite a bit more here than uh, yeah. what we knew. And that's typically how I start my lectures or presentations is I'm about to change what you think you know, because again, when you don't know what you don't know, everything's rosy and oh we've got it all answered and yet there are deep areas that we have just begun to scratch the surface on so okay so which brings us to the film i think yeah 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 um i uh, i guess one question before that is you know animation historically was done a lot by Disney, like you know siloed animation studios that were archiving things but now you have animation oh, a lot of animation has been scattered to the winds. Right. Well, I guess, I guess, yeah, my, my point is, or my question is, um, if it was difficult to, to document and archive how women were changing and, and working in animation back then, how, uh, going forward, can it, you know, can we accurately, uh, write history as it's, you know, spreading around everywhere? I'm sure a lot of studios aren't documenting anything, um, you know, what's your what's your take on going forward to make sure that we're it is hard, uh, particularly at studios uh, to get. Uh, I know a few studios have finally you know, are are initiating archivists, and particularly as we're in a digital age, uh, you can certainly back things up. But the technology is shifting so fast that you know who has floppy disks anymore, right? So you're constantly updating your your databases um 
I, I, I don't know that I'd want to be researching this time period because, you know, how do you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't even know where to, where to start because like, you know, I have, I have paper documents, right. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me a, a animation paper to, to work with. Um, I, I think though we are at an important time and it's, there's still a lot of areas to be exploring. And when the, the film, when I was approached to jump in on the film um, and I came a bit later, uh, got a call from one of the producers who I knew from other documentary projects, live action, you know, projects. And he said, Mindy, and I, I knew Tom and Tony had been working on this uh, a while back. And then, you know, life's change, world events unfold, pandemics occur. <laughs> and um, I got a call from uh, one of the producers who I knew. And he's like, Mindy, I got this project. And he goes, you're my first call. Uh, I, you know, I'm so excited about it, but definitely need some help with. And I, I, we talked and I said, great. This is, I know such an important time period, the Renaissance of animation, which I do get to in the ink and paint book and had done some, you know, fortunately we still have people around from that time period that we can get to as primary sources. And, but a lot of the materials and a lot of the key people were, you know, have already started to pass. And so it's important. We are in a race to kind of retain our own collective experiences sometimes. Yeah. And uh, so I really deeply applauded the guys for starting this and uh, getting it brought to the screen finally, because it's, it is recent history, fairly recent history, but yet not. And if we don't document it, if we don't get it from people who were there then we start to get these crazy myths and things that are it's twice as hard to get them uh, researched and dispelled uh, as we move along but um, I, I guess when I brought to the table certainly was offering based on my research hopefully a little broader understanding but I also feel uh, you know I'm not that I'm the gender police but um, when the guys came with what they'd had, I took a look at the list of interviews that had already occurred and went, let's balance this a little more, Jerry. Let's, yes, you know, women were right there and some real powerhouses. And unfortunately, we had a short period of time to get this kind of brought together. But I quickly got out my, you know, got on the phone and started calling around going, need you, need you, need you. Come on, ladies, let's get this going. And she was able to get a, a wonderful group of remarkable, talented and deeply experienced uh, women animators and artists uh, into the lineup as well, which I'm so excited about. And, um, you know, it's, it's important, I think, for audiences today to see that range of diversity, uh, particularly in this time period. Um, because it's the films that many of my students, not that I'm that old, but my students grew up with. And um, we have a lot more women studying animation today. And it's important that they see that it, women had a strong hand in creating things that, that they 
feel are a part of their lives in in such an important impactful way so yeah yeah i was going to ask you if you could give you know maybe just a little bit of an overview of what the film you know plans to accomplish you know it's a it's a just by the name itself pencils versus pixels it sounds like it's it's covering you know the transition from hand drawn to computer animation and I'm, you know i'm curious i'm curious you know uh what your take in well you just kind of gave you know you said you you uh made sure there was a better woman perspective from this but you know what is what is your take from that transitional period in the film that yeah. you know we can look out for it's a it's a very pivotal time um in animation uh and what's exciting i think it, you know it, don't let the title fool you in some ways um it really is a celebration of animation and what's exciting is i think at the time that uh, Tom and Tony had started it, 2D animation was considered out the door. You know, all the major studios had said, nope, we're going digital. That's it. Everything is going to be digital 3D, 3D. That's it. And that was heartbreaking for a lot of people. It required transition, you know, retraining, re new skills. A lot of really top talent said no. I'm not even going there. I want to remain with pencils. And, but yet no one was really hiring. Um, so many retired, uh, many kind of ended their businesses, uh, just completely changed what, uh, it, it really altered things. But what's exciting now, time has a way of sort of, uh, providing a, a, a longer look at what we think should be, you know, we should move on from or not. <laughs> and what's really exciting is that hand-drawn animation did not go out of style, will not go out of style, is a key crucial part of expression. And it's, it's another just expanded part. We uh, Digital animation really did nothing more now. We're learning, but it just expand the range of tools. You still have to have that master of, you can push buttons all day long, but if you can't wield a pencil right, forget about it, right? You have to have those basic skills. Uh, get as much life drawing as you can, get out there and draw carry your sketchbook, keep going, do it. It may feel analog, great, so be it. But it there's something really crucial about that. It's it's a primal thing. And I, I that was one of my first questions when I got the call about the film, if I could come on board. And I, I said, um, you know, where are we at? Are we, you know, confrontational about this transition or are we celebrating? And I said, oh, no, no, it's a celebration because look where we're at again. I said, great, I'm on board then, let's do it. Because, you know, when you look at, and it, the film makes the, the point that films like the, the Spider-Man series now where you have all types of all forms of animation and expression and hand-drawn is really, it's it's full circle again. Um, 
it's just another medium, another tool that storytellers have. Some stories are more inherent for that approach versus digital. Uh, and and it just has a, a the right quality in in the medium for, for the story being told, which is great. You know, as a storyteller, you want as many possible options, right? You want more more Crayolas in your, this, what is it? The 64 or 72 box of Crayolas yeah, right. versus the eight box, the big eight box. You know, it's just a wider range of, of creative possibilities. I mean, I mean, I think that's great news, especially for people like me who who <laughs> like to be a two D animator. Do you? I mean, you have a you have ties to you know some of the legends and experts. Do you see there still being like a um, a golden age of two D animation where we're going to get like you know big legends like we used to have who are just super excelling in two D animation? Because part of my oh. thinking is you know. 2D animation is becoming much more niche. You know, we have films like Klaus and, and the Spider-Verse uses it. Um, but we don't have like, you know, uh, a hot oh, house of full-time. An inventor, you have, yeah. uh, I, I think you're gonna find more of it. Um, now that it's sort of, the, the pendulum has shifted back a little bit, things have balanced a bit and, um, you know, it's it's kind of cost effective to pick up a pencil and paper right. rather than sit down to your Wacom tablet. Five thousand dollar Wacom tablet. Right, right. Computer, five thousand. Yeah. yeah, and if you need to create, if you need to, you know, that tool is always going to be there. Yeah. And, and I think it's 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 not like it's not palatable <laughs> to audiences. And what's interesting is there's you know software now that's trying to give you that <laughs> that analog look I, it cracks me up when you know meeting with Phil archivists and everything and it's like oh no it's too clean it's too pristine and and they need to like reintroduce noise back into the film well oh, okay <laughs> so from your perspective are you seeing uh you know I, I'm glad you you mentioned the film the inventor that that's that's uh yeah because there's a the stop motion slash yeah Film, yeah. 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 Slash 2D. Um, do you? And that was that was made in France, I believe. Uh, do you see more international interest for 2D? Because you know, I see the U.S. market. Yeah, yeah. You've got like puppet animation, which is uh, you know very cost effective. Um, and then you've got big studios creating, you know, kind of like the Spider Verse, for instance. But do you see more of an international interest in traditional hand drawn? animation I, oh, I mean yeah. I still think there's so many cultures that and stories that aren't being shared in animation um do you do you kind well, of see this I think uh, you know if you get to any I've been on a few juries and you see the work coming out especially at student level there's some powerhouse stuff coming out um I that's I think what's really exciting. We're, we're we talk about another golden era, which would be our third golden era, I presume. It's like another um, one. <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> um, I think you know it, it's interesting to see where we're headed with animation, and 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 
I see it as a wide open horizon. There's so many possibilities out there. Filmmakers at any point in their career, whether you know just beginning or deeply advanced, now have the tools right at their fingertips to be creating and distributing their work. They can get it to their audiences right away. Um, you don't necessarily have to go the theatrical route, although we have that theatrical option, uh, streaming options. We'll see where that all unfolds, but it's it's exciting and. I think there's far more opportunity today than there ever has been. I think we need to, which is why, you know, when I'm teaching, I, I, I push the vitamins and minerals of storytelling a lot. And, and good in, at Cal Arts, we really push drawing. It's so important. Uh, I teach another campus, uh, Drexel University, which is very digitally based, which is great. It's more learning software and that kind of thing. I'm one of the few kind of analog classes there. And it's a, it's a providing an important mix. I think uh, my students, when they get out into the world, feel a little more prepared. Um, and I think we have a wider number of people interested in storytelling and with tools around them that they can get out there and do it with. You know, when I was in film school, you had to have a, you know, Panavision gold package and very wealthy friends in order to make a film. And now you can pick up your cell phone and just get out there and start creating. It's exciting. And uh, I, I'm anxious to see where the next generation takes us what the the new horizon is what the new frontier is three-dimensional immersive um you know vr yeah. ai once we get it wrangled we'll see um but there's a lot of really exciting possibilities and in that wide open wild west range of getting there it's also important to look back at our past and recognize sort of the where we've come from. That's why I think Pencils versus Pixels right now is an important film because it explores that time period where we, you know, just that bringing us right over the threshold into a digital age, which is not quite, you know, we, we take it for granted today, but um, it wasn't always the case. And it's got kind of a wonky, crazy, sing-song path that it came about. And uh, I think it's important that we document that, that we get as many firsthand accounts with that. And knowing that, that'll help us move forward into this frontier, I think in a, in a wiser way. Well, I'm curious, you know, you, you teach and, you know, there's, there's this documentary that's, that's coming out, which I, I'm super excited to watch as well. What do you think somebody gains from having a uh, better historical perspective in animation versus somebody who doesn't have that perspective, you know, like somebody who just, you know, they're just animating, they just, they become mm -hmm. an animator, blah, 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 versus somebody who they're animating, but they also, you know, they, they have that historical perspective. Oh, there's so much. Um, one of my... <laughs> mantras in a way when i teach film history um 
I go back and cover a wide range of things from early silent cinema on up. And again, one of my theories is that everything out there today has been done before, more often than not done right the first time, right? So let's go look at the masters. Otherwise you just end up reinventing the wheel and doing it in kind of an inferior method, right? So you go to any of the top filmmakers out there today and they have a lexicon, they have a foundation to build on of Hitchcock and uh, Bunuel and, and uh, Scorsese and you know just a whole body of work that has been built upon. And even watching many of the films out here uh, at the festival that are newly restored or uh, newly discovered and you know, I, we were watching a film, a, a French film that was made in 1918. And it, it made me think of, oh my gosh, I, I'm seeing Grapes of Wrath, which came out in the 30s, uh, you know, about the Dust Bowl and traveling across your know, 30s, 40s, early 40s. And you could just see the parallels just in some of the characterizations and the experiences of the, of the people. And I thought, you know, we really, what we do is we build on and we're influenced by it. And it's important that we're not copying, but in a way, a, a bit of an homage, but we build upon what, what we know, what we've grown up with. So one of the other things, uh, I threw a lot of material at my students and particularly a lot of artwork from different studios, different films, different artists, um, animators, and to gain a sense of style, time period, historically, you know, the UPA versus, you know, some of the Tunder material coming out of uh, the Netherlands uh, in the 40s and 50s is kind of on parallel. Um, there's some really, you know, just learning, what does Mary Blair's artwork look like? How did she evolve as an artist? And, um, but to give my students a, a vocabulary, a sense of, of how to be able to speak about certain time periods. And, you know, if, if you're going to give something a noir feel, what does that involve? Um, you know, just to expand their, their visual lexicon a little bit and their uh, sense of, of, and even expanding their own personal styles. Um, but and a, and a, a larger lexicon of influences and time periods, um, you know, how certain looks evolved and what was big in the 30s. If, if a client comes in and says, oh, I need something typical of the 30s, great, you could Google a few things, but right away at their fingertips, they're going to have a sensibility and a, a few artists to get to, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. Uh, building off of what people have already created instead of, you know, building off of present cliches in your mind of what you think might right. might be like a film noir or whatnot versus actually, you know, knowing film noir, for instance. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and especially when, you know, when you said everything's already been done before, before, yeah, that makes sense. And why not, you know, somebody else has already been on this journey. Why not build off of what they've done instead of coming to the same or lesser point that they got to and then creating something for yourself? 
So that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so I know we're we're a little bit tight on time and and internet connections. <laughs> so maybe maybe uh, one last question is, uh, and I'm curious because you have a you know you you're very researched in this. You know, how have you seen women in animation change throughout the years? You went from you know very invisible workers to you know we've you said things are scattered all over the place now. You know what is what is your perspective on how it's changed and where it's where it's going and maybe you know some insights. Well, for women, yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I've only been doing this research maybe a decade or so of, on women specifically, um, researching animation and, and the larger world on that and film for many, many years. But uh, really focusing on women uh, has been you know, 10 years as recent, I don't know. Um, but in the course of that time, like I said, when I started, the prevailing attitude was there were three or four women who worked in animation and, and it was only a long line of pretty girls who traced and colored. And now uh, there's a resource, well, there will soon be more resources to go to, including pencils versus pixels, because you'll have women there to, to hear and learn from and get their experiences during a rather pivotal time frame in animation. But um, there's a, there's a, the consciousness has changed. That's what's key. Um, the unconscious bias of, you know, I still talk to some of my dear beloved animation brethren and when it's time to like, yeah, we'll, we'll get a panel together. We'll do films, we'll get, Bob and Steve and Jim and, and Harry, and, you know, the list guys, and I'll have to stand there and go, excuse me, hold on, wait. Yeah. <laughs> and be gender police a little, a little bit lovingly. Um, and gently get them to understand that, you know, women were there too. And what's also changed, you know, when women would get asked, oh no, I don't want to talk about my, oh no, no, no. But women are more real, are realizing more so now that, yeah yeah, I should be talking about my experiences. I There are other women who need to hear about my experiences that need to learn from that. Um, the number of women training, as we've said, has, has changed. The industry needs a little push in certain areas in terms of hiring and, you know, not to be afraid of women. We're not gonna hurt you. We're gonna actually bring our best to the table. Um, but it's great to see the, the progress being made. We still have a ways to go, but um, it has there has been change. People are thinking differently. There are resources now that you can find that, hey, women have been there and have contributed quite a bit. And uh, it's wonderful to see the difference that that's making. There's so much more that we are learning about our collected animated past, which is exciting. And one of the great tools that's out there now, one of the great experiences out there now is pencils versus pixel. You've got extraordinary talent telling their tales, telling their stories, their experiences with animation, why we celebrate animation, why it's a, a key part of our movie going experience and always will be and uh i think we it fills an important void um it 
in in an important way fills a void that that uh, as recent as this 70s, 80s, 90s time period in that transition, it helps us understand where we're headed in animation. And um, I'm excited to see what's ahead. But until then, we've got some uh, great film to uh, fill us in and get us ready for the future. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, you know, pixels versus pencils, pencils versus pixels. <laughs> sounds like a great resource of, of you know, information of how that whole transition happened in the history, et cetera. So I'm I'm super excited. And I'm, I'm glad, especially that you, you know, you you got the call list and said, hey, we need to we need to have some more <laughs> women <laughs> yeah. in this documentary. There's more perspectives than just men. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited I'm about that. Yeah, I'm grateful that that they were eager and excited and uh, listened to making that positive change. And and uh, I think you'll find that um, got some extraordinary talent and extraordinary voices there sharing their experiences. And uh, like I said, it's it's a perennial tool that will be around for a while to help future generations understand that important transition as we face other transitions with technologies and and uh, facets that will come into storytelling and filmmaking and animation. Um, this really highlights an, a, a pivotal time frame and uh, can help us to understand as we tr transition through new technologies today. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Last thoughts as we... Uh, we you know. Oh, stay tuned. There's great stuff ahead. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah. I've got a new... Uh, well, it'll be next year, a book ahead and oh. film ahead and a few other things I'm working on. But um, You're keeping yourself super busy. A book, a film, teaching, conferences, speaking. <laughs> it's, uh, Where do it's, you find the time? Well, I tell you, um, somehow I there's a lot of I'm grateful for the give and take, the flexibility, um, and uh, it's important stuff. And uh, I'm deeply honored and humbled to get to do this. Um, it's yeah, it's challenging at times. It's a little tough, kind of on my own. I'm not supported through any major uh, outlets necessarily, but. It's important work, and I'm 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 deeply honored to uh, get to cast a light on some extraordinary people and who had otherwise been unsung, and uh, to get their their stories and experiences out to the world. So, well, stay tuned. <laughs> I'm gonna stay tuned, and thank you very much for doing that. That's that's amazing and very honorable of you. And, um, you know, thank you for coming on. It's been it's been interesting to hear why you do this, <laughs> where you've come from. Uh, all the stuff you've uncovered along the way, I think, is amazing. You know, especially that tidbit you get, gave at the start about the first woman vaudeville film and recovering that. That's incredible. And being part of uh, Pencils versus Pixels. This is all this is all great. So well, there are a lot of early women. Uh, that's what the new book will be on. Um, uh, it's called The Only Woman Animator, Bessie Mae Kelly, and Women at the Dawn of an Industry. So uh, stay tuned for that. But it does explore a wide range of, of women. It'll be eye-opening to a lot of people, I, I'm sure. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Great, Joy. Keep doing what you're doing. We need it. <laughs> thank you. 
And if you're listening and you uh, want to check out Mindy's work, I'm going to include her website, which is mindyjohnsoncreative.com. She's got a lot of cool resources on there and, uh, you know, she's going to post her upcoming work there. And I'm going to include some links to check out the documentary film, Pencils versus Pixels as well. So please check out those links in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.